We never go off topic. Right. You can set a clock by us. Right. <clears throat> what are we doing here? The broken clock. I don't clock. know. <laughs> it's right twice. <laughs> twice a day. Twice a day. Nailed it. Yeah, so uh, just prepare to... Uh, It'll be great. It'll be perfect. Y'all motherfuckers don't watch us play throughout the year, to tell you the truth. I'm going to be real with you, and I don't care if I get fined. That train is off the track. I feel like you, you can't just like jump through Neptune and be okay. Just prepare to. What the show needs is more dogs and bears and chickens and stuff. Yeah, so uh, just prepare to uh, be a watch Welcome Pacers fans, you are listening to the Undebeatables, your semi-weekly Pacers podcast. This is episode 523, coming to you from Indianapolis, Indiana. I'm your host, Joey Gafrida, the man behind the dials and season ticket holder. This show, we're going to discuss full tank mode. We've got a mailbag question, start of the week, and as always, an undegoogleable. Joining me this show are two of our three analysts, coast to coast, like buttered toast. First, from the high school home of Jameson Brewer, uh, Silver Spring, Maryland, it's the doctor, Jason Triplett. What is up, Pacers fans? What is up, Unbeatables? Uh, By the time you hear this, the Pacers will have uh, shellacked the Portland Trailblazers, so shout out, Nico. Shout out. From Indianapolis, Indiana, he's our in-house bartender, mixing up the drinks in the crappy jingles, John Colson. What is up, Pacer Nation? Uh, what is up, Undebeatables? Glad to be with you. Um, I'm going to start the show with a wag of my finger um, to uh, Tom Cotton. I'm sure that I could wag my finger at him for lots of things. Um, but um, in this case, uh, LeBron James uh, tweeted out something uh, about... Uh, Micaiah Bryant, who was shot um, four times uh, by a police officer uh, after running around with a knife and threatening to stab people. Um, And LeBron tweeted out uh, a caption of uh, a picture of the officer and said, your next hashtag accountability. Um, Tom Cotton then said, LeBron James is inciting violence against uh, an Ohio police officer. This is disgraceful and dangerous. Is the, NBA okay, is the NBA okay with this? Is Twitter, um, because we're really interested in cancel culture, I guess. Um, and I thought LeBron James' response was really useful, and I think this, the, the Twitter and the internet went away with all of this, got lost, uh, his response. I'm so damn tired of seeing black people killed by police. I took the tweet down because it's being used to create more hate. This isn't about one officer. It's about the entire system, and they always use our words to create more racism. I am so desperate for more accountability. Um, I don't know if I'm going to recommend this, but I've watched the body cam um, of the officer who killed uh, Micaiah uh, Bryant, and yes, she was a threat. She was carrying a knife. 
Uh, but we give our police officers guns. And um, when they have those guns, they respond to violence with uh, violence. Um, the, it seems to me that there were different ways to deal with this, and I feel like that's what LeBron James was saying. And um, I just feel like this week the uh, the Internet lost lost track of what was needing to be said, uh, as it often does. And I wanted to go ahead and put LeBron James's words out there because I'm tired of seeing black people being killed by police as well. So we need to train our police officers not to shoot as, as the first response. We need to not have all of our police officers have guns. Um, we need to have other systems of people that respond to these situations um, because um, someone running over with a, a knife threatening someone is definitely dangerous, um, but I don't know if they need to be shot four times in response to that. She was yeah. 16 years old. Yeah, that's it. Um, yeah, okay, so good first step. Um, I encourage everybody to write their congressperson um, and support. ask them to support the uh, George Floyd Justice and Policing Act, which is uh, uh, before the House now i believe um and would go a long way towards sort of you uh what is it putting uniform standards i guess across the country as far as um uh a wide range of policing policing issues uh and whatnot there's been some really interesting stuff that's come out and and one of the things that's come out is that um you know uh the police forces across the nation have for years, decades, been asking to take uh, a lot of this stuff off their plate uh, because they're not therapists. <laughs> you know, you know, they walk into these domestic violence situations. Uh, they walk into situations with mental illness all the time. They're, the police are asked to do so many things that they're not trained to do. Um, and I think uh, creating a system where uh, we could have other people arrive at the scenes for these things uh, might uh, might make a difference and make uh, our country a little less violent and make the police's lives better. So I don't know, understand yeah, why definitely. we can't all get on board with this. Agreed. Um, all right. Um, before we get into the show, uh, would like to remind you that you can support us anytime uh, you'd like over at patreon.com slash undebeatables. Uh, for as little as a dollar per month, uh, you can uh, become a patron and uh, get you, uh, for I think for five bucks, you get, uh, send you some koozies. Um, you can join our Slack community where um, I think the highlight, for me at least, uh, was uh, I posted. Um, I love I love the GIFs. I posted a, 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 a GIF of a, a tank uh, doing like a Tokyo drift, you know, mm-hmm. around the corner. Mm-hmm. That and, was a pretty amazing. Uh, pretty it was awesome. great. I mean, I was yeah. I, I thought that was a great find. You I mean, were just your not, own not highlight, reel, Joey. Um, but um, but it spurred a nice discussion, which is what I wanted to highlight here. That uh, uh, listener John Brown um, was was uh, he brought up that you can you can um, you can drive a tank 
like out in the world. You can just pay some money and go to these places and drive tanks and shoot these big old honking, you know, war guns, like big machine guns and stuff like that. So, can you tell me how much it costs to to rent a tank for a few hours? I can. Uh, there's a couple. So there was one that was in Texas and one that was in Minnesota. Um, and, you know, you get different things from those. Um, let's see here. If to drive a tank, there's different packages here. So if you want to drive an armored uh, tracked vehicle and machine gun for the sampler package, $650. But before you answer, John... Um, that's you can have a couple of different people ride um, with you. Um, you get to shoot um, with that. You get to shoot an M60 E4 machine gun for 40 rounds. Okay. Uh, you can also drive. This one's more expensive. It's it's three thousand dollars, but it, it's the Sherman Unleashed the Fury package. You get to drive a Sherman tank. Um, I better be able to blow something up or drive you over get a to car. Shoot, like the the big the big gun, you know, like the big uh, tank, seventy six millimeter gun. Like I'm really uncomfortable with this conversation on the heels of the of in, of wags of fingers to Tom Cotton regarding uh, gun violence. Um, although maybe, yeah. If that were the only, if if recreational use, it, like in non-lethal um, settings, was the the place that this, you know, could be done, and if somebody needed to scratch that itch, as it were, like we need to, it, these costs need to come down, I guess. So Colson, yeah, if you head over to driveatank.com, uh, uh, you can go to uh, add-ons, which is apostrophe s. Yes. Um, <laughs> but you can drive a tank over a car, drive a tank over two cars, or drive a tank through a house as an add-on. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So. Anyway, but I'm with you, yeah, Jason. If, if this to me is more, this is like recreation, like it's 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 different if it's uh you know. Like if it's a, you know, mobile home that you get to destroy, like, for, for recreation. Like that's how I want to destroy homes by <laughs> recreation, you know, not for real. <laughs> Perfect. I mean, I think that's a nice moral stance, Joey. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so speaking of tanks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, the reason I brought this up... Uh, it's alright, I got sidetracked by all the awesome tank stuff. Amazing uh, uh, Forgot that I did that for a reason. Um, uh, one of the add-ons was uh, drive the Pacers. Uh, <laughs> was How many thousands of dollars was that? <laughs> it was very expensive. It said call us for pricing. Uh, yeah, market price. Um, we've got... We've got uh, so the Pacers fans. Uh, we've got uh, you know the seasons. The seasons winding down. We have various uh, sort of nagging injuries. Uh, we're signing guys to ten-day contracts uh, who are overperforming, disappointingly. Um, uh, 
you know, it's good for them, you know, good for their careers and blah, blah, blah. But the Pacers are having trouble losing games now. Because um, we got the sauce. And Jason, when you were, <laughs> we have the sauce. Jason, when 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 we, I think, first had the, the sort of longer uh, tank discussion, I think you were not on that show. Uh, I kind of wanted to see uh, what discussion or sort of what perspective you have on, on uh, the sort of end of the season whether we should fully embrace the tank mode or, uh, you know, where should we go? Sure, yeah. I mean, you guys did have an interesting discussion about it, right? I mean, like, this season, uh, you know, not going to be our best season, right? It's a building year where we're building towards new things. Um, Pacers don't often get into the lottery, so um, maybe a chance at a higher pick. Um, is worth it at some level. Um, I always go the other way. I mean, my my attitude has been: you build a culture of winning, and and you get your guys' experience um, in the playoffs, and that builds good things. Um, that wasn't the case necessarily over the past five years. We continually made the playoffs and got you know bounced out of the first round in sweat sweeping like fashions many times. Um, so maybe that doesn't actually make sense, but, uh, I think for this year's, but not necessarily for the players. I think a lot of these players have playoff experience, you know, especially our core guys, although it's always good to get more minutes in pressure situations together. But I think for Nate Bjorkren, it would be a good, um, stepping stone, uh, for him to sort of see what, uh, you know, the chess match of the playoffs is, right? Because really when you get to the playoffs, coaching matters a lot more than um, it does during the regular season, right? So making game-to-game adjustments based on what the other team is doing um, and being very inventive is actually a realm where I think Bjorkren could be um, very special, and, and I'd like to see him sort of, begin to develop those skills um and i would like to see our guys you know experience a win <laughs> like in the playoffs and and sort of get some momentum going in the right direction that way um you know where as as the the standings are today as we record the pacers are in ninth spot um well, i guess we won tonight so we're a uh, what is that a half game a game behind um charlotte for the eight spot uh but only uh two games ahead of the surging washington wizards who have won eight straight games um and nine of their last 10 but a full what are we now four games ahead of uh chicago for the 11th spot so so i think that we're well within that you know as we talked last week i think we're gonna be in that play-in tournament i find it it's going to be hard for us to climb up to the sixth seed, and I think it's going to be hard for us to fall below the tenth seed. Yeah, even if we go into full tank mode, and and you know, as Colson, you know, intonated on Monday show, perhaps we're already in full tank mode. We just happen to be <laughs> winning, uh, right. or we won well, a couple games. I guess. Right. Yeah, we, we we played three of the worst teams in the league, and we happen <laughs> right. to be better than them, even with our C team. 
you know, even with the sauce starting, were better than the the, the three teams. That was the Thunder, uh, the Pistons, and the Orlando Magic are three of the worst teams in the league that are all in full tank mode. Um, I'm I'm not convinced that we're especially with these injuries, able to uh, win games against quality basketball teams. Uh, But we have uh, one of the easiest schedules left uh, in the NBA, and so we're going to win a lot of these games because we're playing against really bad teams. Um, Currently, the uh, tankathon.com has us uh, with an 86% chance at the 12th spot in the draft. You know, we even if we get into the playoffs because there's this play-in tournament now, you can still get into the um, into the lottery. So if you don't win your, so if you if don't you, get out you, of the play, if you don't tournament. get out of the play-in tournament, so if we got out of the play-on tournament, we wouldn't be in the lottery. Right. Right. Gotcha. So if we get into the the top eight and we end up playing, you know, whatever the one seed or the two seed. Uh, because we won our play, then we're we're out of the lottery. Right now, there <laughs> there's an 86 percent chance that we're going to lose our <laughs> the play in tournament, and we'll be in the lottery. Um, and the reason I bring that up is because uh, this team hasn't drafted in the lottery very often. Um, and uh, can you guys name me the um, the players that we've drafted in the lottery uh, over the last 15 years? Uh, no. Yeah, no, I got. Uh, I okay, um, let me give you uh, Miles Turner at eleven. Okay. Uh, Paul George at ten. Tyler Hansbrough at thirteen, and Jared Bayless at eleven, which we turned into Roy Hibbert. Um, so if you look at that, those are three players. I'm not counting Tyler Hansbrough that were incredibly impactful on this franchise. Um, so a lottery pick is, is a big deal. Uh, we haven't drafted in the lottery outside of that in the last 15 years. That stuff matters. Now, they're saying in this in this draft there's, there's five franchise-changing players. Those may all go in the top five picks, so they'll probably be gone in the top eight or nine, uh, depending on how uh, teams draft. Um, and we're not going to be that high. But you can still find a real impact player um, if we end up losing <laughs> that play-in tournament. Now, um, I'm with you, though, Jason. I think always trying to get playoff experience is useful. And you said a bunch of our guys have it. Miles Turner has been in the playoffs almost every year he's been in the league, but he's never gotten out of the first round. Um, you know, uh, Sabonis has never been out of the first round. Uh, Brogdon has with Milwaukee. I, I don't I'm not has Karis LeVert ever been in the playoffs? So yeah, probably, but lost in the first Actually, round. Yeah. yeah, lost in the first round. Uh, you know, I just there you know, guys don't have an experience. I always think of this uh quote from um Jamal Tinsley. Um I, I don't have the actual quote, but but what what he talked about was how much more difficult uh the game becomes as you progress through the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Each round is exponentially harder than the round before it. And, you know, you've got to get – the playoffs are just harder than the regular season, and you've got to get guys with that experience. And so if we can if we can get 
a seventh or an eighth seed, which gives us two chances to uh, get out of that play-in tournament and get to the playoffs, even if it's getting our butts beat um, by, you know, probably a Milwaukee, a Philly, or a, a new, you know, uh, a Brooklyn. I mean, I don't know. Is being swept more useful? I mean, do we learn something from being swept just from the from how hard it is to play real basketball? Um, or should we, you know, get uh, a pick four places better? You know, I mean, I think this is where we're at um, because we're in that position where we're either going to get swept <laughs> by a good team or get a draft pick four positions better. And I feel like the experience is useful, but is being swept by Brooklyn that useful? Or can I get a player that's pretty good? I mean, the players and the and the team get money for that. You know, there's some incentive, uh, you know, financial incentive to go. You know, and it's they want to. You know, that the the players want. Everybody wants to go. Oh, I as a fan, I want us to go to the playoffs. I the playoffs right. are my favorite thing. Missing the playoffs sucks. I don't want to miss the playoffs. Yeah, you and don't have I a also, miss the playoffs jingle, right? Like, yeah, I don't have a miss the playoffs jingle. You're right. And honestly, this team is really young. I mean, you know, uh, Sabonis and Miles Turner are 24, Levert's 26. Like, it's not like I think our oldest player is 29, and it's Justin Holiday. Like, we've got we we don't need a bunch of young talent, really. You know, I mean, if it was a franchise playing changing player in the top five. And you go, okay, in, in five years, this is going to be a difference maker. You know, maybe. Or maybe even in two years, it's a difference maker, right? But, like, you know, outside of that, I don't really see the, the point in adding some some young talent. I mean, is that is that – I don't think we're good enough to win a bunch of games down the stretch. Um, and I don't think we're um, bad enough to lose against these really bad teams that are tanking on purpose. So – I think it kind of puts us where it's going to put us, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, we are what we thought we were, right? Yeah, like, we're, we're, we're an eighth or ninth seed, I think. And it depends on whether we get to that eighth seed or that ninth seed, whether we get two shots at winning this uh, playing tournament or just one. And if we only get one, I think we're losing. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I, don't, I mean, I don't know. But... Uh, yeah, we would probably have to play Miami or Boston, I guess, right? So, Ugh. so Joe, you're you're uh, you're fine. We are what we we thought we were. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Look, man, it's too it's too late in the season for for changes like this. Like, we, you know, we, we we know what we got. You know, I mean, I think it's an underperforming team. I you know, I've said this many many times. I like the players. I like you know, for the most part, I like the. Um, Direction. I like. I guess, I like the direction. I like, I like the potential of the team. You know, it, it's, but they're not. You know, they're not playing to their potential. You know, I, I'm not. Uh, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. You know, uh, <laughs> right, right, perfect. Uh, but uh, I mean, I think, yeah. I mean, Jason's right. We can't fall far enough to to for the tank to make a difference. So just say, do what, do what you want to do and whatever the results are, it's what they're going to be. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Like try your best. Um, and you know, give, give, uh, whoever you want some burn, try ever, try all the stuff you want out. 
Um, but I, I do think it's a good point about getting uh, uh, new Nate some playoff experience um, because you know, he's while well, he's been to the playoffs and he's you know had very good runs in the playoffs. He was not the head coach. He was not the one uh, making the final decision. So uh, I think that would be that would be uh, invaluable to get some experience on that side. Yeah, right. I mean, because if you think about sort of long-term perspective of this team, right? So this team does not have super-duper stars. And rarely, if ever, has Indiana had um, super-duper-duper stars, right? Like Reggie. Paul George is the most talented player we've ever had. Right, exactly. Um, And so if we are going to have success in the playoffs, it's going to be from a – the collective being more than the sum of its parts um, and uh, being very uh, schematically advanced and, and being smarter than, than other teams, right? And sort of out um, basketballing them, you know, sort of from a strategic perspective. Um, and so, and, and I believe that all of our guys, you know, the, the you know, one through six, on this roster is pretty impressive, right? Like, um, you know, our depth is our strength and, uh, giving those guys a chance to play and giving, uh, Bjorkren a chance to, um, earn his stripes, I guess, or learn more about what it's like to, to coach in the playoffs, I think is, is a long-term benefit, right? Both for regular season success next year and, hopefully future postseason success. Yeah. So the goal is to be Miami of last year or the Raptors, which is where we took him from. Right. I mean, there are teams that have had success that don't have super duper stars. Uh, You know, we can think of the, uh, you know, the Detroit Pistons or the, the Mavericks. I mean, I guess they had Dirk Nowitzki, but I mean, there are teams that, that, that win the championship or at least get to the finals that don't have three superstars. Now, we also live in a league right now where, you know, the Brooklyn Nets are going to be ahead of us for the foreseeable future. Um, That may be something we can't overcome. But what I'd like to be is, you know, the Pacers of eight years ago where the, you know, collective talent, the defense, the energy, the effort, uh, enough talent to get yourselves in the conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, because once you're in the conversation – you never know what's going to happen. You get a good matchup, somebody gets injured, like things can happen. And we're, you know, I agree with you. I like our six guys, but we're not at this point showing that we're a part of the conversation at all. <laughs> and so, um, you know, that, that's got to change or personnel has to change or coaching has to change. Right. I mean, like, um, you know, I think the the the, um, the front office did an awful lot of work to put together six to eight guys that that are really good at basketball, but it's not proving itself this year. Now you're right; we've we've had a lot of injuries and stuff, yeah, and I mean, it's, a, it's I, I COVID, was, and you know, yeah, there's exactly. a lot of I mean, excuses. I, I think this year gets an incomplete. Like, yeah, okay, you know, it, it's just very hard to judge. Like, you brought in a new coach a month before the season started. Barely had a training camp. We had massive amounts of injuries this year. He had like weird scheduling quirks. 
no fans in the stands. Like, right, 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 right. This right. is a complete, a complete incomplete. <laughs> <laughs> That's the name of the pod. You know that, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, and, and so from that perspective, I think the idea is just the more experience we can get this year, the more things that we can try out and test out and whatever, get a feel for, so that going into next year, when hopefully everything is back to more of a normal um, rhythm, you know, at least we get a full training camp, we'll get you know, a more spaced out schedule, get a chance to fans you know, back in the game seats. plan a little bit better. Hopefully we have home court advantage back on our side. Like, right. I mean, that's, that's a huge difference. If, if this team is, you know, 500 at home right now, we are oh. in the sixth seed, right? Yeah. Or fifth seed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, that, the, the, yeah, it's a complete incomplete, complete incomplete. Well, let's take a quick break. And in the second half, we will uh, get a start of the week. Mailbag and an undegoogable if there's time. We'll be right back. from the break first thing uh i want to do is um break up the break up all this basketball talk just just for a little bit you know talk <laughs> so much basketball on this basketball podcast um, joey stat of the week well my stat of the week um I don't, I don't know if you guys heard about this but there was uh there was a big battle in nebraska uh, this this uh, past weekend, it was uh, it's gone by many names, but uh, probably the most well known was Josh v Josh v Josh. And I don't know if you guys heard about this, but it uh, it was a battle of the Joshes, and uh, began as a, a sort of a <clears throat> uh, basically a, a pandemic fueled uh, uh, boredom. Um, a young man from Arizona named Josh Swain found all the Josh, other Josh Swains he could, uh, added him to a group in the Facebook uh, Messenger, and uh, uh, he said he was going to challenge them for the right to keep the name. Um, 
And um, then he gave he set the date uh, for April 24th, 2021, and put in a random set of coordinates and uh, challenged them all to a fight. Um, and uh, not much came of that, but he, he posted some screenshots of the, the challenge online. And uh, what it turned into was um, uh, this past weekend, in, I think near Lincoln, uh, Nebraska, there was uh, uh, hundreds of Joshes showed up uh, really? with with pool noodles and they had a uh, uh you know like a uh, just a just a battle royale and the last one standing uh got to claim the name Josh he was the the last uh, he was the tr- tr- the true Josh and uh this was little Josh one uh he he was uh he's uh, 4 or 5 years old Josh Vinson but he was called little Josh he was crowned the winner um, so what are the rules a, with the noodle? Like, if you get hit, I think the rule. I think the real light on on rules. Here. I think it's uh, <laughs> if you get hit with the noodle, you're out. You know, you're I think out. it's kind of okay. like kind of like dodgeball. Um, it did turn into a fundraiser, uh, the Josh Swain Fund. Um, they raised ten thousand oh, dollars, more than ten thousand awesome. dollars, for the Children's Hospital and Medical Center Foundation, uh, which provides medical services to children across Nebraska. That's awesome. So, and Josh's across the and country. <laughs> Josh's, yeah. But there's uh, if you do do a search for this, there's uh, uh, some pretty pretty funny ones with just yeah, just uh, hundreds of Josh's uh, <laughs> smacking each other with the uh, pool noodles. So Joe, uh, we've gotten pretty lax on this. What's what's the what's the stat? What's the number? It was ten thousand dollars. Okay, <laughs> I'm a professional here. <laughs> Shout out. Oh uh, yeah. Josh, yeah, you just gotta find. Uh, yeah, you know what, Josh, you you do you do well for yourself. I'm proud of you. <laughs> it it looks like it was settled by a, like maybe there was a tie and then it was settled by a rock paper scissors match. Okay. And in true uh, Josh v Josh v Josh fashion, they kept throwing out the same. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> nice. That nice. took like five five throws before that. Five rounds. To, yeah. Like to it. know the mind of a Josh, you have to become the Josh. Sure. So, shout out to Josh, all the Joshes out there. That's and, I. And I am part of a Facebook group of all Jason triplets. Really? Really? That's yeah. Right. Some dude like reached out and was like, "I'm trying to connect with all the Jason triplets." He did not hmm. then subsequently challenge us all to a fight, but maybe no. he will now. I don't yeah, know. exactly. I think you can. Uh, you know what to do. the The template is down. You just, mm-hmm. you know, and you know, if you win it, you can force him to change his name. If you should choose to do so. I feel like uh, Jason would rule over all the Jason uh, triplets with. I mean, that's uh, fair. But, but you know, uh, <laughs> he would rule over all of them. He he currently does rule do over you, all of them. But I feel so like I'm he clear. would be he would be a kind ruler. <laughs> He'd be just benevolent. So He'd be benevolent so clear Jason here. Triplet. Do you mean like our Jason, like the one on this show? Or our are you Jason talking about would, a different No, okay. our Jason Triplet would rule over all Jason Triplets with a benevolent hand. Perhaps. A benevolent know, mace. You know, absolute power corrupts absolutely, John. So I, don't, I can't say what true. I would do in that position. <laughs> you have no idea what would I'd happen. I'd go into you... it with those intentions. but Sure, sure. But then you'd get a big old 
big old Jason Triplett head. I, I would think of what the power of an army of Jason Triplets could do. <laughs> oh my god, it'd be unstoppable. <laughs> All right. Um, we did want to talk a little bit more basketball before we before we roll out of here. I got a mailbag in. We got a, a note from my dad. The mailbag. Uh, JJ sent in a question, um, which I I kind of like this one. It it's uh, asking about um, the end of quarters. Um, pull it up here but uh so you know one issue we've the team has sort of had is uh end of quarters have been have been maybe a little a little lackluster um so you know generally you know it's it's um if you have possession and sort of less than 24 seconds you get to run out the clock um you generally uh you're gonna want to uh just take the last shot um and I guess this is hard to quantify. JJ understands this, but um, it seems like there's not a lot of those. Sometimes we have the ball, but we don't even get a shot off. Um, and I feel like this is like a, it's a set thing where it's, you know, you don't have to get back and rebound. Well, you, I'm sorry. Let me back this up. You shouldn't have to get back and rebound, or you shouldn't have to get back on defense. Um, but we seem to not do a great job. Like, um, of that and sort of like not Jay doesn't understand why why we just end up wasting these possessions like it's sort of it's like a, almost like a set play right like this is something you can practice why, why don't we do better with these why don't we close in quarters and this is you know Q1 as well like any quarter I, I, well I've, I've got a couple thoughts on this I mean one is that you know, I saw uh, we did a two-for-one, I think. Was it against in the Detroit game? Mm-hmm. Um, and you never see that. We, we just we don't um, try to get a basket before the 24-second shot clock starts so that we can get another possession, right? So, like, the, the, a two-for-one is, let's say there's 30 seconds left, right? The idea is to score quickly and not allow the, the clock to go below 24 seconds um, so that you actually get a chance to have the, the ball back. And I think that's, that is a strategy. There are, uh, you know, I think Chris Paul uh, is a lead at this. If he realizes the time is this, he's going to make this happen. Um, you know, I think the smart teams earn themselves an extra possession by scoring uh, the two for one by going quickly to the basket and not allowing the, the clock to go under 24 points, uh, 24 seconds. So you get the ball back. Uh, that's something I haven't seen a bunch of uh, us do a bunch of. So I agree with JJ on this. Uh, that's one thing you can do to allow yourself to have that last possession. Um, you earn an extra possession essentially. Um, I think the other thing is that when you do have that possession, uh, the goal is to uh, wind the clock down as low as you can. So a lot of times you'll see, you know, just the player at the top of the key sort of dribbling out the clock. Um, what I think happens with this team in particular, but I think with a lot of teams, is that dribbling goes down too far and you don't actually run a play. And then you just have somebody trying to take somebody off uh, the dribble one-on-one and, and, and shoot a last-second shot. 
um, which isn't necessarily good basketball or or a high percentage shot. Um, so if if the question is why don't we have plays for this, I think the answer is we do have plays for it, but we they they start later in the shot clock and we don't necessarily get it all done. And so a lot of times you just have somebody taking a one on one shot. If that makes sense. Yeah, I find it really interesting in um, the sort of the philosophy of modern NBA, of which Bjorkren, I think, is a a strong subscriber, is to maximize the number of possessions that you have. And I guess it's numbers of possessions relative to your opponent. Um, But it does seem to me that, that, like, this cherishing of having the last shot of a quarter seems overkill. Um, so it's, it's, it's a grand total of three possessions a game at the most. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Four possessions a game, I guess. Right. I mean, I guess I treat the fourth quarter differently, obviously, because right, it's totally you're different. Just trying right. to win the game at that point. Right. Right. So, and, and end of, 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 of game um, philosophy is way different than end of quarter philosophy. Right. 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 So there's right. three total possessions in a game where there's going to be a hundred possessions. Like I sort of agree, like why they're treated so, so cherished. Why not just run your regular offense and try to get a bucket? And if you score with eight seconds left, like just play defense. Like, right. I I don't know what I found. And I think what JJ is probably upset about is that what we do is we, take a bad shot with three seconds left right, right, right. and the yeah. other team scores on us. No, yeah, and I, I think that happens. It, it happens often enough that it becomes something that you get mad about. Right. That's and like so, the worst case scenario in those, you know, it's like, right. well, you know, I'd rather you at that point, you know, I'd rather just run uh, an offense, score with eight no, seconds left, play defense. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, no, that sure. That'd be great. Defense. Yeah. Right, uh, or just like, miss the shot with no time left on the clock. Yeah, no, say so miss a shot with no time left, or or just don't even shoot it. If they're going to get the ball back and score, just don't shoot the ball. Which is they've done. I mean, it's happened a lot this season. I mean, and I yeah, think that's what I JJ mean, is writing in about because it happens quite often that we that we miss a shot with three or four seconds left and they just run down our throats. <laughs> All right, yeah. So I'm going to be a complete nerd scientist here and i would like to see some data that actually says like what how many times this has happened and like what how how many times this has happened to other teams and sure oh no 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 i'm not saying that we're specifically i I definitely think it's one of those things that when it happens it's so viscerally frustrating as a a fan that it has this pop-out effect yes and so you notice it more than i agree with that than it actually happens but that being said yeah but I, but I do find it interesting, yeah, that that the philosophy in a game where you're just creating as many possessions as possible, that you just cherish this, these three singular possessions. And that's assuming that you get a shot at that, th- that possession, right? So usually you won't get all three of those, right? So maybe it's like two possessions a game that you're just like, ah. Oh, you know, you turn into Gollum. You're just like I, I covet this <laughs> ball. I'm not gonna give it up, and then I'll take a My really precious. bad shot with four seconds left. Like, yeah, just play basketball. I feel like just, just shoot your shot. You know, I don't know. Yeah, I am a proponent of the uh, two for one, though. I'm always yelling at, 
the team when they're not going for the two for one, because you can, however you deal with that last shot, you do actually can earn that extra possession. I mean, to me, it, so I would like to see a little bit more nuance with it. I think that it's not about creating the total number of possessions and total number of shots. It's how many quality shots are you getting oh sure right. if you just so jack up a terrible fo- shot right to exactly with that, you, yeah. which you see teams which do you do because see, they want right. to get the two for one and it's like right that was just a really bad shot that you that's took. a waste of time right that's exactly. a waste of a possession right like yeah. i'd rather you run, run your a set and get yeah. a good look and hopefully make a basket right it's hard i mean i guess these days this season it's easy to make baskets in the nba but typically it's hard to to score the basketball in the nba um and so to just squander possessions like that is is very frustrating. But yeah, I feel like it's sort of the the this you know it should be it, this is the highest level of basketball. You, you you'd hope that the the players you know would have some nuance to this, so you know that they can recognize, hey, there's 30 seconds. I'm gonna push hard on a fast break, or you know, I'm gonna we're gonna push hard. Maybe not a fast break, but we're gonna push and try to catch them off balance. If we can get it, go for it. If not, pull back and and right. and, and then run your off. Exactly what happened in that Detroit game, right? Like McConnell yeah. pushed it forward. Brogdon like saw that the defense was lagging. Was like, oh, I'm gonna take this three very early in the shot clock, and he hit right. it. And it was yeah, a, right. a very smart play. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, it ended up that we did not score on the the second of the two for one in that. Right? No, that is that is true. So like but, like yeah. I would also like to see statistics on the numbers of times that people um, try for a two for one, and like what is their points per scoring on both of them? Right. Re- yeah, versus like situations where people don't. Yeah, you know, I, I, I it's interesting though that like on some level. You know, the, the, the last having the ball at the end of each quarter is sort of like practicing for the end of game stuff, like in live action. Like it's I mean, it's it's useful to to try to beat the shot clock. Right. Or, or beat the beat the clock on some level. Um, and and the more times you have it in your possession when you when you're going against the clock, I wonder if that's better for the team to like practice end of well and i feel like it's a chance for a big mom, mom, momentum builder, momentum swing right? sure, yeah, like yeah, if yeah. you hit a shot at the buzzer like it gives your team a lift kind of thing right so right or a big dunk there, or whatever but, yeah, yeah 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 i'm sure some nerd is writing his thesis or his or her thesis on uh you know this now the psychology of the end of quarter shot uh but haven't the nerds already decided that momentum doesn't exist Right, yeah, that but like, the... it, 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 like anything in academics, it's a debate, right? Somebody's right. gonna come up with a counter argument. Were right. you thinking of the hot hand? Was that the Warner Colson? I mean, the, the idea is that um, you know, statistically, people will hit shots in, but they're gonna hit the shots that they're gonna hit, and the, hap- the right. if they happen to come in segments, it doesn't mean there's actually momentum uh, statistically. Sure. Um, now, I disagree with that. <laughs> but um, because I've watched basketball games, I've played basketball. I've you know like you, you there 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 are times when things are going really well and there's synergy and stuff, um, and that's um, that's tough to quantify. 
But and, and so I get why if you're just looking at the numbers, it's like, well, they're going to miss some and they're going to hit some. If they hit them in bunches, it doesn't mean it's actually momentum. But um, my argument would be is that it is momentum. Um, but that's why it's a fun debate, right? That's why, you know, that's why it's interesting. Yeah, same idea with the hot hand, right? It's it's the same exact same argument. It's an individual player versus a whole team. All right. So I think we solved Shut that up, one. Shut up, nerds. You're welcome, JJ. We answered your question. <laughs> we answered your question with another question. Show me, show me some numbers. I, the thing is, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know if those numbers exist. I'm guessing they probably do. Oh, I'm sure they do. Well, uh, well I mean, they're out there, but it, they're you probably have to mine them. They're like less. Right. Is, is it? Are they accessible Google now? Google did not reveal. Right. Like, sort of okay. Yeah. Yeah end of quarter possession statistics or whatever well i guess i meant yeah i I know the numbers i know yeah certainly the the data is there but has it been is it a common thing that people extract out and and i'm guessing no well from what you're saying uh it's not at least a common thing but there are you know other stats behind a paywall and if you're a data you know analysis you know oh i'm sure that all the nba teams in the league have that information right Except OKC, they probably didn't want to put the bill. Detroit. Detroit does definitely not have that. Uh, OKC actually, that's the reason that Alexei Prokofchevsky is, is on the roster. Is he's actually a math whiz? Um. <laughs> had to put him in for two minutes one game. Was, oh, <laughs> exactly. Oh, this guy. Well, he got a bucket. <laughs> he's got it all figured out. It's like a beautiful mind. Yes. You said did you say a beautiful mind or a beautiful mind? Mind. Okay. <laughs> I don't know, we'll have to listen like, to the tape. I don't know if this was like a West Virginia like uh coal mine thing or something. I don't know. Oh, I thought you said mime and I was <laughs> gonna correct you and that was um that was Colson's experimental film project in uh high school. <laughs> This is—I've got to see that tape. That beautiful mime, love it. Uh, he was maybe maybe he was mining data or he was miming data. Mm. It's, it's mm. all beautiful. That's all I know. It is. It's all beautiful. That's right. Um, do we? Uh, we've run out of time for. I think we've run out of time for. No, lots we can do of it. Come on. Okay. okay. All right. All right. All you right. want to do it? All right. We'll we'll do we'll uh we'll do one. Colson, what what do you Let's got do for us one. this week? Do you have a quick one? We'll do a quick one. Yeah. I mean, they're we'll, all quick, right? And, unless we make them not quick. We'll just power. I'll uh, use the power of mental thinking. Oh, are we doing under Googleables? That was the plan. Super excited. Um, you told us we had to, sir. You said we signed up for it. In the end, it's going to be better and more true than Google can give you. Uh, okay. Uh, here we go. Uh, the, the whole shebang. What's the whole, the whole shebang mean? Shebang. The so it, shebang. the usage, if I remember correctly, essentially just means everything, right? Like it's yeah. all the all the add-ons, all the extras, everything. 
the yeah. whole thing, including the kitchen sink. Plus, the right. But shebang yeah. seems like a made up word, and we don't use it in any other context than the whole shebang, and that's why it's my question. So shebang to me, I always thought of this as like it's onomatopoeia, that that it's like a explosion. It's like everything. It's like an explosion of all the stuff. Explosion of all this. So it's like a bang. Shebang. Yep. Yeah. So it's just a big bang of theory. <laughs> exactly. It's a big bang of theory, as, as John Coulson once said. Um, do you, uh, Joey, how do you feel about this term? Do you hear this term often, or you do you use it often? I don't use it often. Uh, I probably don't hear it often, but... Um, I mean, I'm certainly familiar with it. Um, Did you also feel like it was onomatopoeia when you were growing up or were thinking about it? I mean, I guess, you know, just sort of from context. Yeah, I mean, I guess kind of. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not like... You're right, I don't... Uh, I don't know any other shebangs. So it's just, just the one. <laughs> and it's the whole one. It's There's no right. half shebang... Yeah, it's true. There's no partial shebang. It's That's the true. whole shebang. <laughs> yeah, we we saved up for a long time, and we got, uh, uh, got a you quarter know, shebang. We got a quarter shebang. <laughs> yeah. Do we think? Do we have a? This seems very like a very modern phrase. It does. Me. It feels. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, like last half of the 20th century or something like that. No, I, I feel like this is maybe a, a 20s. Phrase. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm feeling like the 20s, but I agree that it's. I don't think this is Shakespeare. I agree with you, and I think it's probably. I'm. I'm thinking it's maybe uniquely American. Do you think it's um, uh, related to uh, the bomb? Oh. Okay. It oh, is, like well, the, the, the the World yeah. War Two you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Like the is it the, the A bomb? It's the whole ship. The A bomb, yeah. Yeah, okay, I could see this being a wartime uh, phrase, and it's the whole shebang. We're loading up the whole shebang in the plane, and we're going to drop it. We're going to drop the whole shebang. I could see that. But, uh, I mean, okay, and again, does it, is, it, is it genderized? I mean, it's a shebang. Is that important? <laughs> again, I think that that is... Uh I mean, to me, it's just automatopoeia, but, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, so no, I don't think it's genderized. Okay. I think the, the spelling of it is independent of the word itself, like that. Okay. All right. Because it's yeah, sort of like, hey, say, it's a shebang. Yeah. yeah it's yeah, like yeah. kind of a fun way to say bang, I guess, maybe. I don't know. Like, like the explosion. It's the whole okay. explosion. Bang. Shebang. Yeah. All right, I like this guess. Uh, let's. Uh, it's it's about the A bomb, um, and it's a wartime World War Two. Um, What's uh? I mean, what what about that though? You know, says all like all the all the things, all the parts of it, all the accessories, like all the. You make a good point. I mean, I, I was th- I, mean, I was thinking that the bomb would be so big that it would encompass everything. It just encompass everything. No, I mean, that makes sense. Right, but I mean, you know, um, 
I wonder if, um, you know, I was thinking earlier, like the 20s and like somehow it was like a flapper phrase or something, you know? <laughs> um, yeah, no, I don't know. Um, I, I suppose we could always guess Shakespeare because Shakespeare's does everything. That's not Shakespeare. There's no way. That Joker? No. That <laughs> Joker. Okay, so what it's do you got, Confusing Jason? here. So the the uh, earliest uh, known citation, according to phrases.org.uk, which is one of our favorite spots, um, uh, Walt Whitman uh, used it to describe uh, a hut or rustic dwelling in uh, 1862. Um, but then it's also it's it's an American phrase that comes about from the 1920s and uh let's see so there's some uh history of it sort of mutating i guess so mark twain uses shebang to refer to a form of vehicle in roughing it in 1872 um let's see there's a lot of history here wow wow yeah okay um it's unclear as to why they say it's okay so uh, blah 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 blah. That vehicle usage does suggest a possible link with a name uh, for a form of UK sightseeing bus that is uh, charabank, pronounced charabang. Uh, derives from the French charabank, carriages with benches. Um, yeah, I don't. It's. It's unclear as to how it came to be, I mean, everything. Um, yeah, so it's. it looks like there's some connection with Civil War soldiers. But that's not clear how it's connected to... Uh, it looks like it first appeared in a newspaper in 1872 with in the phrase "entire shebang" instead of "whole shebang." Or did I say 19? I mean 1872. Yeah, you said 1872. Okay. Um, uh, which is yeah, this is weird. But what's uh, is it, so? The, I mean, you could see maybe how like um, Civil War people were talking about bangs. <laughs> and explosions and onomatopoeia and PTSD there's uh, another uh, idea that the Irish term shabine yeah that's uh, what I'm looking at I mean it's small mug um, which first appeared in print in the late 18th century means an unlicensed tavern in a shed or even a rundown private house where liquor is illegally dispensed Given that a popular use of shebang in the 19th century America was to mean dive, uh, it seems okay. li highly likely that shebang began life as Irish shebang. Um, yeah, I don't know. So, a, so, like a, so a dive go? bar or a rustic, uh, you know, so if you're talking about Walt Whitman's yeah. rustic thing as a yeah, shebang, then it turns into a, a dive bar. There's still there's there's dots in between that and 
right and the usage. whole shebang yeah it's a big right. question mark. so we kind of we can kind of get where it starts and i'm all i'm all in on walt whitman whatever he does i, I support but uh <laughs> but yeah how did we get i really respect the guy he's doing a lot of good things these days yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, they're say so. This says in its 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 current meaning uh, appeared in a newspaper and saying the entire shebang in 1872, but it doesn't say how we got there. Yeah. So so yeah, I'm looking at the Merriam-Webster has a uh, um, an article on just the the history of the word shebang, and the end of it is saying uh, I can just read it. That given that the Irish term shebeam was used. About a century prior to shebang, it is tempting to consider shebang as developing from shebeen. It would, after all, give some insight into the words building or the, the the words building and tavern meanings. Truth be told, however, there is no verifiable linguistic trail between shebeen and shebang, which means that the sudden emergence of shebang with its multiple various meanings in immediate currency remains a lexic lexic. What's Lexicogra- lexicographer's puzzle. Wow. Okay. So we undegoogled uh, an undegoogleable. Yes. Nobody knows. Exactly. So it's dot dot dot, and now we're here, and now there's profit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's that's good. Uh, if if anybody has some insight, they're doing some sort of you know college paper on the old the whole shebang um or have tried the whole shebang uh uh chips with entirely new crunch let us know how that is too <laughs> yeah <laughs> sounds like uh that's something to write in about for sure maybe it's coated with that um cereal varnish that clark griswold invented <laughs> uh cereal varnishes <laughs> Mmm, cereal varnish. That was another name of Colson's band in high school. Mmm. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, that was actually a pretty solid band. That was one of the ones I was more proud of. Mm-hmm. Actually, what did you play in that one? Um, the, you know, I was going to say the glockenspiel, but that would be a lie. Was it the tri- Were you playing the triangle in that one? No, <laughs> no, no. I think he alternated between kazoo and triangle. In that it's band. always okay. kazoo. It's 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 that's pretty much my go-to. That's what I try out, you know, when I start a new band or when somebody asks for somebody to join the band, I just bring in my kazoo. You just say like kazoo's covered. What what do you play? That's right. <laughs> yeah, when I when I put out the release for for other band members, I'm like, we've right. got kazoo on the lock. Right. What else can you guys play? <laughs> what right. can you bring? I could, I could use, you know, some bass, some drums, some, you know, the piano. Kazoo's on lock. The glockenspiel. Yeah. Kazoo on lock. I love it. <laughs> All right, team. I think we have solved enough problems for today. We're going to take a break until Monday. Uh, we'll re- can recap all the previous wins of the Pacers. We might and have to do another undegoogle about the whole shebang, too. Another one? 
I mean, I don't know. I mean, I feel like we didn't learn enough. I mean, we, lear- we, we were wrong. It didn't come from World War II or the 20s. That came the C- Civil War. No, actually, it came from Ireland. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. It's a, it's a hard maybe. Actually, we'll sure. have to go back. We might have to revisit this one. Yeah. Once, uh, once the, uh, what, what, edel, what did you call them? Uh, the etymological issues? Lexica- lexicographer. Lexicographers. 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 No. When, they, when they figure this out, let us know. God. The lexicographer. <laughs> that's what we're going to call it. That's the name of Jason's band. The lexicographers. How many L's are in that? <laughs> Too many. Yeah. Uh, well, on that note, I'd like to thank you for listening. And uh, uh, man, thanks for getting this far. Um, <laughs> Nobody's still listening, Jim. <laughs> uh, like you can hit us up on Twitter. We are at Undebeatables. We're on Facebook.com/slash The Undebeatables. The website is TheUndebeatables.com. There's a contact form there. You can send us a message. Uh, you can send us an email, shout out at theunbeatables.com, and uh, you can get shirts over at uh, uh, the website slash store. For the architect, Donnie Walsh, and our once and always Hall of Fame coach, Bobby Sicklinard, turn out the the parties over. In the F, <laughs> just to have like, it. I think there was some interference. Yeah, okay. Oh, is that what that was? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lex the Clogloflers. <laughs> <laughs>